Hello, friends. Today we'll buy the hook with James Carville, get more picks from Jeff Ma, and we may have to bleep Jason Lockenfora <laughs> again. But the sales weasels demanded this next part. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. You're in Italy. How close to Rome is this course? Uh, I don't know. I just kind of discovered last night because it took us about 25 minutes to get from the media hotel into the city center. It's taken us 25 minutes to get to the hotel, but I have no idea what directions we're going (laughs) either time. I am in Italy. I can tell by the people I listen to and by the organizational chaos. That's all I can tell you. That's fine. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now and we will get to the reason doug is in italy the Ryder cup in a second um we have opened badly uh we Mm. are this is eight o'clock in the morning on friday and we're down four nothing we got swept in the things that started at 135 that's right where we want them exactly so i will get back to that and have michael explain everything in a bit i just wanted to read a couple of things i want to thank my best friend in the world paul carnes of maidens virginia (laughs) for giving me the address and the number I need for Pepco and the president of Pepco, Jay Tyler Anthony, who can expect a call from me, I don't know, 20 times today. (laughs) Get ready. From Jim Schaufelberger in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. I was fortunate enough to meet Brooks Robinson back in 2002 when the All-Star Game was being held in then newly opened Miller Park in Milwaukee. Let me explain. Here in Milwaukee every year, we host a music festival called Summerfest. Excuse me, which back then lasted 11 straight days. ESPN Classic decided to broadcast a live show on the last day of the festival and brought along Brooks Robinson and Harmon Killebrew. Why, what they have to do with a music festival is beyond my comprehension. Yeah. I'm a live sound engineer, but I only have one client. I'm the Tom Hagen of sound guys. <laughs> that singer-songwriter Pat McCurdy, who was asked to sing a couple of songs during the live broadcast. Being part of the show allowed me access to Mr. Robinson and Mr. Killebrew. Both men could not have been nicer, and Brooks even signed a bat, which I gave to my brother-in-law, John. I wanted to listen to stories all day, but was privileged to have the 10 minutes I did. Anyway, I hope Nigel enjoyed this email, because I know it's too long for you to read on the show. 
Been listening since ESPN Radio was just you and the fabulous sports babe. Who I have said many times was the, and I mean this adoringly. I don't know her. I never met her. She was the greatest self-promoter I ever saw. Yeah. She made a career for her just to, until Deion Sanders. Right. Like right. Those, until Deion. That's the list. <laughs> that's the it. Fabulous sports babe and Deion Sanders. Yeah. All right. So let me get to the Ryder Cup. As I said, we're down for nothing. We are now in the middle of the second round. The first round was alternate shot. The second round is you play your own ball with a partner. Um, as I am looking at TV, we are not up. There's no red on the board. Europe is up in two, and we are tied in two. I watched the opening ceremony last night. Zach Johnson went on and on and on for about 25 minutes, which was, I would say, 23 minutes too long. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a lovely ceremony. They had production value. They had airplanes. They had introductions. They had a, a woman who hosted it, or I just assume is either a television personality or an actress in Italy, totally conversant in Italian and English, no trace of an accent in English. It was really good. And Zach Johnson, I don't know, if you're going to speak publicly, rehearse it. Let somebody hear it. And maybe somebody will tell you, Zach, clip it a little bit. Yeah, trim it. Just going on <laughs> and, and He's on been and in on. these before. You'd think that he'd understand what the room wants. Just went on and on and on. Try to get that first laugh. Yeah, he got no laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Donald, uh, who did it for the European squad, who opened in Italian, you know, which was pretty impressive, si, a few certo. lines in Italian. Um, he's, got a, he's got a twinkle in his eye, and he, he did it very well. He was concise. He, he was just... He was very impressive. Where did he go me. to school again? Northwestern. Okay. Wilbon loved it. Wilbon watched every minute of it. <laughs> you know who he looks like at this point? Who? The Golden Bachelor. He does. He's younger. <laughs> did you watch that last night? He's younger. No, I didn't watch it, but I read a, I read a story in the New York Times about the guy. I think he's from Iowa. Uh, he, I didn't he, get that he far. He claims into it. to be 72. He looks, he looks 40. Great. He looks yeah. 55. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't great. look 72 on any level. Yeah. Any level. And one other thing about the Ryder Cup, when they bring these guys out that wear in suits, A, they are unrecognizable in suits. It's it, the it, power of being a professional golfer. You cannot rec- – you don't know who any of them is. You really don't. Do you hear the story of one of Max Homa's early tweets where he goes, when he's in an Uber, he says that his alter ego is he's a real estate agent. <laughs> so people don't ask him questions about golf, except he gets into the Uber and someone starts asking him about a real estate deal, and he goes, uh-oh, I think I'm now his agent. <laughs> That's, um, they looked, I don't want to say silly or foolish. They looked fine. They were just unrecognizable and they looked uncomfortable. Why are they out there in suits and ties? Uh, they're, they're at their most comfortable wearing a hat and a polo shirt. Yeah. And just by their size, you look at them, they look like a, uh, a mannequin that you'd see at the mall. It's just, it's just really weird. So we went down four zip. Oh, there's red on the board right now in the and, first match. And you know who's in that first match? Justin Thomas, who's going to end up being Thomas the most important, most important person on day one because they did not play that super pairing in the opening round. So I will tell you that, that my friend, uh, Chet Maxson, looked at the pairings where I said, what is he doing? What is Zach Johnson doing? He said, no, 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 it's not, it's not bad. It's okay. I'm with it. Were you with it? He left, he left off four people, one of whom has only won one major, Wyndham Clark, the U.S. Open this year. The other three have won multiple majors, and one of them, Brooks Kepka, has won more majors than anyone currently active 
right? Anyone currently active yes. on the tour? I think the Wyndham Clark holding him back, he is a caged panther, and you just he has so much energy for this. You want to keep it on the up and up, and you want to try and use that judiciously to make sure you don't burn him out too early. Okay. Uh, I think that... One of the greatest strengths of this tournament is that there's only 28 points available, and you look at how they're divided up over team events. So you have it's only three days. You have eight points that are available for foursomes, which again is alternate shot for us, which weakens what Americans traditionally what play do. on our own. You have eight points available for four ball, best ball, which is what all of us play almost every weekend with our buddies. Uh, again, a, a United States strength and then you have singles and unfortunately a lot of times when you get to singles it already feels like it's mostly decided just because it's really hard to go more than eight nine deep in terms of those singles points okay right so there are 12 singles points available a route would be eight to four that would be a route so if and the cups usually decided before that again because of the 14 you know 14 14 tie possibility retaining the cup so your thoughts are, what does the United States have to be going into Sunday? Uh, so unfortunately, two? mathematically, the most important day is day one. The most important session is going to be that morning session. I believe it's 60% of the winners from that first morning session go on to win. And if you're leading after the total of day one, it's up to 70%. This is, again, where an- analytics come into play. Luke Donald, uh, with his team, and, and again, Eduardo Molinari has, has done a lot of research onto this, says, we're really good at foursomes. Why are we going to wait until the afternoon to get to that? Let's flip the script. Let's get out to an early lead, because we're going to win that, whether it's going to be you know 3-1, whether it feels like a, two, you know, a, a smaller split. And that's what they did. They went out early, and they won basically... Two to one in terms of holes against the Americans. I think it was like 22 to 10 holes won. Wow. And you look at that first match, and this is where those captain's picks become so important. You have Scotty Scheffler, who has had a quiet putter over the much of this year, who's playing with his best friend, Sam's Burnsums, who were questioning whether he should be here or not. Yes. And it's not that they ran into a buzzsaw. They just weren't able to get anything going. You have, as you always have in match play, people start chipping in. You start uh, just sort of leaving the door open a little bit. So once that... Once that left the table in terms of that first point, everything else just sort of fall, you know, fell into place quickly. Do you think that Zach Johnson, that he was wrong strategically with who he left off? Uh, I don't think so, because again, you're looking at a course that has such, ele- you know, such changes in terms of uh, the walking, uh, the walking demands of it. You don't have the ability to play everyone in, in five sessions. It's it's just no, that's right. unless you need to, it's it's going to be you're going to see a, a diminishing return on some of the bodies. Uh, so I think you have to figure out who you're going to sit and when. Had they went out this morning and gone, you know, split two two, and then all of a sudden you look at that Spieth and Thomas pairing, you go, that is the way to save one of your heaviest uh, hitters, one of the, one of your stalwart pairings till the afternoon. I think you might want to you might wanted to have seen Brooks early just because of what he represents as the needle in the side when he talks about people who don't really want the ball, they don't want the spotlight, they can't handle it. So, but again, I would have, I think it makes sense to save somebody like Wyndham Clark. You don't know how he's going to respond to the opening round pressure of the Ryder Cup. Is Kepka playing now? Yeah, he's out there now. And he's with Clark, Sheffler. all those four guys are playing now. Yeah, they've gone out now. Okay. All right. So, um, what do you think of their shoes? The sockless, the, the, uh, with, the in the suits? Yeah. They look too, I'm telling you, everything about when they walked out. Could have used some self tanner down there. When they walked out, and I honestly didn't know who they were. I didn't know who they were. Yeah, these are our sponsors. It just looks so different than what I'm used to. And and the uh, I didn't even know. The only people I knew right away, Freddie Couples. 
I knew Freddie Couples right away when he walked out as an assistant captain. I wouldn't have recognized Zach Johnson. And I knew Davis Love because he was he just uncomfortable. He looked, he didn't want to be there. Something, something tells you they were uncomfortable in these suits. Um, Which is odd. And they didn't DL3's tie their wearing, ties well. He's been wearing Ralph Lauren for his entire career. Yes, that's right. Were they Indochino suits? No, I don't know. There's something about this that, you know, every year when they have the Rolex athletes go through Wimbledon and they, you know, they bring them into yeah. one, of the, one of the royal boxes and they all take photos. And they always have the golfers who are wearing like neatly pressed suits they just look they look like little kids dressing up it doesn't right it's it it doesn't feel not like the greatest john rom photo of all time with the bolo tie <laughs> it doesn't feel authentic you know what i mean it doesn't it just right. what are you doing up. yeah the europeans i don't know most of them anyway but rory looked rory looked better in a suit than anybody on the rory American wearing side. a hat today oh is he he doesn't wear hats usually normally in Ryder, could be goes atlas they finally yeah. found one that fit okay that's good all right, that's our Ryder Cup update. By the time you listen to this, it will be obviated. Let's see if they utterly. figure out the TV. Apparently, you couldn't see any live shots. Um, so I, I, was, I got on the Golf Channel at about 6.30, and there was School of Golf, like School of Rock. I go, hmm? what, what? So I talked into the television, Ryder Cup, and they said it was on USA. It's not on. I assumed it would be on the Golf Channel. Uh, USA, it'll shift. Yeah, okie dokie. All right, we will come back. Jason, lock and fora. Maybe he'll rant for us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Lynn Hansen. And this comes from Ed Butt, who writes, My friend Lynn Hansen emailed me, Ed, why is that bald orange guy on ESPN waving a Canadian flag? As I typed my explanation, it dawned on me I've been derelict. Lynn is a superb independent singer-songwriter from Ottawa. I've never sent you any of her music. She's been called the Canadian Queen of Americana. Her music is available in all the usual places, and our videos are on YouTube, but the best place to find her is at Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N.com. We have two songs here. This first one is called Shadowland, and it plays in Jason Locke and Fora. People wrote us all week long. Uh, they loved your rant on the Bears. They just loved uh. it. They loved it beyond words. And my first question was, you totally teed off on the Bears. What about the Broncos? How about them? They yeah. stink too. Well, at this time last year, I I I eviscerated Nathaniel Hackett before it became uh, completely weekly commonplace to do so. So right. I'm going to give Sean Payton more than three three games, and I, I think you know if Sean Payton at this point um, fulfills his manifest destiny, which I think in his head is getting his hands on Caleb Williams. 
that I, I think people will forget about in due time. Eventually, this 2023 edition of the Denver Broncos, which is woefully inept, but I would point out to you, Tom, yeah. when I went to bed last night, the Denver Broncos coming off surrendering seven, 70 points and 726 yards were still three-and-a-half-point yeah. betting favorites at Chicago. Yes, so, yes. No, I, I, I'm aware that, of that. But, uh, but, yeah, I think Eberflus will play this game. I can't believe we're talking about this game. But I think Eberflus will play this game like it's his Super Bowl. <laughs> and I think Sean Payton has done a full um, accounting of what, what he has and where that franchise is going and where it needs to get. And and uh, I think that that's a team to watch ahead of the trade deadline. And, and more to the point, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm a bobo. But smart people I talk to in the league think that um, Sean Payton, at the end of the day, if he loses this game, that's a massive tiebreaker in the Caleb Williams Derby. And that, um, you know, he could be selling off some talent a month from now. So you you don't or they don't think he looks like a complete stooge for his comments on oh, Nathaniel Hackett? And it's bad. It's 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 bad. But I mean, he does have a Lombardi Trophy next to his name. Yes. You know, he he yes. uh, has done some some pretty stellar work with with offenses and quarterbacks over the years. Yes. And yes, he will be. Um, he'll be eating his own words uh, for the next twelve weeks or so, or whatever, until this thing wraps up. Um, but. I, I, it's hard to attack them the way you attack the Bears because they're under new management. You know, the owners just got there a year ago. They inherited a regime that was not uh, ready for prime time. You know, they paid Russell Wilson, and I understand why they did what they did. And and I'm sure a lot of smart people were advising him to do that, and I would have been among them. Um, but they, they tend to make a lot of mistakes. Like, there there are no excuses Right for the House and McCaskey family. I mean, okay, they've yeah. been at it a long time. They've been lining their pockets with money for a long time, and they don't win football games. Um, that, to me, Denver at Chicago, Denver being favored, is an irresistible game to me. But one step down is Minnesota at Carolina, and that is a game that is dreadful. I mean, yeah. I, that's like being punished. Like a judge sentences you to watch Minnesota and Carolina, right? Yeah, it's a weird game. It doesn't do much for me, even from a betting standpoint. I've tried to talk myself into several different angles on it, and I can't find any that I really love. Um, The Sharps are on the Panthers, for what it's worth, and the public seems to be all over the Vikings. Uh, um, Yeah, those teams are going nowhere. Uh, Look, Kirk Cousins is putting up monster numbers, and, you know, Justin Jefferson just missed his third straight 150-yard receiving game to start a season by one. You know, he finished with 149 receiving yards in uh, that bizarre game that the Chargers and Vikings conspired to play that I think everybody knew was going to be wacky and, and, you know, nuts. Um, It's just a matter of of how much. Yeah, I I don't, you know, like – that's not a very compelling game. Like again, I don't no. even like like a lot of people would look at the Saints and the Bucks and say that's you know a pretty ugly game, and I would too. But I have a lot of money writing on that game too, so that I like that game. No, this is the game. That game's really important to me. I understand. And I need I, I need that to be a kick fest. I, I need both those offenses to do what they normally do, and you know, poop their pants when they get around the red zone. Um, 
but yeah, look, we're we're getting to a point in the season where I think we're starting to figure out what some of these teams are, and when a couple of them get together that that don't have a whole lot of um, endearing qualities and and who don't play necessarily attractive football, uh, that that's that's why only certain segments of the country will be seeing those. Well, the game that everybody will want to see are the Dolphins and the Bills. Of course yeah. they will. Um, are the Dolphins this good? Is their coach this creative and smart? Well, I, there's, there's, this is not um, a coincidence that when they have Tua as their quarterback, they, they do some pretty special offensive stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it is, it's real. Um, we get a little bit skewed by just that sheer, like, volume of the many different things they did last week that we don't see in this league, including the seven, 70 points and the 726 yards, and the symmetry that they had five rushing touchdowns and five passing touchdowns. They ran for 350 yards. They threw for over 350 yards. Like, yeah, that's that's not normal, and that's not going to be replicated with any great regularity. Right. But we'll see it in smaller doses. We'll still see. We'll still see. You know, um, snippets and and performances that that make it clear that that is in their their repertoire. This game, to me, and no one's really talking about it in these terms. But neither of these teams. Both these teams can run the ball, and neither of them can stop the run. And and even you look at their rates defending the run on first down, you're like, how can a team give up seven yards a rush on first down? How can a team give up 5.8 or whatever yards a rush on first down? It just seems like it can't happen. But that that's what they're doing. And um, we haven't seen a game where Josh Allen really does a whole lot with his legs yet this year. I think this will be that game. He's had great success against the Miami Dolphins running and throwing and just scoring the ball in general. Um, and Miami now has a couple of running backs that uh, certainly seem very interesting, and Raheem Mostert's leading the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns. And I think he'll see a, a fair amount of the ball in this game as well. It, I really like the running back props in this game. I think, I think the ground game's going to feature prominently in this game, and I think both teams are going to feel the other out and find out what can they do as much as there will be explosive plays downfield. Um, can can we get five or seven on the ground whenever we want it? And and if so, um, you know, how, how does that affect the overall outcome of this yeah. game and how many points are scored and how many possessions each team has? People want to see this one. People want to see this one. Boy, yeah, did, and look, did... Buffalo, has had, Buffalo has had their number in these spots, particularly – at home and and Buffalo at home has been a team over the last three years that is routinely scoring you know thirty two something points a game. So uh, it it could be one of those where the last person with the ball in their hands yeah. wins it. Um, I, I do think though some of the running the, in the gambling markets, I think some of these running props are set a little low for me. Okay, so you go over on those. Did you learn yeah. anything from the Lions and the Packers last night? Um. You know, I thought the Lions would win. I didn't necessarily know they would win that handily. Um, I like the Lions' ability now to go on the road and not undermine themselves to to not be like, "Oh, what is this grass? This isn't like <laughs> this isn't like the synthetic grass that we play on. This right. is different." Whoa, I feel a little slower. I feel a little weird. Uh, 
you know, they're, they're able to basically run the same offense now, no matter where they play. Uh, I like Jared Goff's ability. Like, he, he had gone on, what, 400 passes? Without an without, interception. Without yeah. interception. And then he throws a bad one, you know, that hurts him against Seattle. And he throws an early one in this one. And, you know, I don't know what that would have brought out in him two or three years ago, but obviously it was no great impediment last night. No, he went back out there and threw a touchdown. Yeah, and just yeah. marched him down the field and then continued yeah. to, to march him down the field. Uh, and then, look, things got weird in the third quarter and early fourth quarter when the Lions basically kind of stopped playing football and didn't want to get guys hurt. Uh, but then they had to ramp it up again, and they did. I, I don't, you know, look, Jordan Love, I think his numbers at the end of the year will look a way that you could convince yourself that, um, you know, there's something real there. But I, I, I think there's also a lot of fool's gold there. And um, the completion percentage just isn't where it needs to be for me. I don't know. I, I've watched him play quite a bit this year. And I, I feel like he's a guy when, when, when you're playing teams that don't win a lot, you know, and, and, and don't have elite defenses, then, you know, he'll come away with, with a box score that looks okay and he'll throw a couple of touchdown passes. And and I think he'll do enough to lead them down the road to keep going in this direction, despite this looking like a generational quarterback draft. And I also think that'll come back to haunt them. And as for the Lions, I mean, they're going to run away with that division. I mean, this was this was their biggest inner like in the division test, right? Having to go at Lambeau at Lambeau, even a thing for them anymore. But they've they've won five of the last nine at Lambeau now, and they beat the Packers four straight times four in a row. overall. Four in a row, they've beaten yeah. them, and it's, yeah, they are. And they, they beat them 15-9, and they beat them 34-17. They're like the they best. Beat them, they beat them different ways. They're and the they best team in that division. Yes. That division stinks. And they can win in different ways now because yes. they, they have a defense. They have a pass rush. Makes me happy. So it Will doesn't have to be 34-32 every week. So, yeah, yeah they're going to win that division. They'll yep. probably win it going away, um, a home playoff game. They may Detroit. win it for years to come. They may. Um. Yeah, well, look, Chicago. We don't. I mean, we don't need to go back down that road. But that, they they ain't an off season away. I mean, that, that that's going to be a complete <laughs> reboot. Um, yeah, I mean, the Vikings are in betwixt and in between, and, and they'll if, finally. If Jordan Love get isn't great, yeah, if he's not great. They're going to win it for a couple of years. All right, plug your uh, radio show for us. Plug everything you do. It makes me happy. Oh, thanks, Tom. You could listen to more of this yammering yeah. two to six Eastern on Inside Access on one hundred five seven The Fan. In Baltimore, you could also listen on the Odyssey app. And I will have to say the best thing these days about being on Inside Access is when the Mr. Tony promos come on oh. for this very podcast <laughs> while we're on air. And I've got to tell you, Tony, it, it, it classes up the joint. <laughs> I mean, your voice comes on in a commercial, um, and people notice. Anything so that, I can I do to that's help. that's been good for ratings, so thank you. The cross-promotion is a beautiful thing. Uh, you can also catch me uh, doing live betting analysis on uh, CBS Sportsline on CBS Sports HQ on Sunday. And I have a uh, new piece in the Washington Post on Saturday about uh, Jimmy Schwartz, defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. Georgetown, Georgetown, yes, and Mount St. Joe. Uh, Don't look now, but the Browns are probably the best defense in football. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens because Baltimore's getting three. Yeah. That's uh, yep. that's that line surprised me. Thank you, Jason. I like the undertone. Okay. okay. Thanks, guys. Jason Lock and Fora, boys and girls. We will come back. We always hope with James Carville. Well, we're never sure. We've got a response from James. We okay, feel confident. And, yes. And Jeff Ma. Yes. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. I was such a great dancer. Once again, this is Lynn Hansen from Ottawa. This is a song with a weird title, Hip Like Cone. C-O-H-E-N, Hip Like Cone. Maybe like Leonard Cone. Could be Leonard Cohen. Maybe sure. it could be Leonard Cohen, who's a famous Canadian. That's was. right. He's was. no longer with us. No longer signing, yeah. Michael, if people like Lynn Hansen, who's wonderful, want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornersershow.com. And while we wait for you to finish the coffee ice cream rankings, yes. TK Coffee One will still get you a, Johnny o. a little bit of money off at johnnyo.com, where they have a Ryder Cup collection so you can celebrate this... Uh, this, uh, this year's event. Okay. This year's loss is what yeah. you were about to say. <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun there. What you want to say. All right. This, so Lynn Hansen plays in James Carville. I have to talk about Carville for a second before he gets on. He was 5-2 and two last week. He's now 13-10. and 10. He started out 0-3, which means he's 13-7 and 7 in real weeks of betting. He had Cincinnati plus 14.5 against Oklahoma. Oklahoma won 20-6. He covered by a half point. He had Indy beating Baltimore, which they did. And he had Wyoming minus two and a half over App State. It was 22-19, covered by a half point. You were nailing it. You were killing it, James. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, some people are just stupid and some people are just lucky. Some people are stupid lucky. So we're stupid lucky. We'll take it. Just great. I can tell you, I mean, half points going another way. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, you, you nailed them both. It made me so happy. All right, what do you have for us? Uh, you got it, uh, Clemson uh, going to Syracuse. All right, hold on one second. Clemson, Syracuse. Uh, it's going to be ACC. I think Clemson is getting points. I think they're getting no. two and a half or three, no? Uh, Clemson no. giving six and a half. Okay, minus six and a half. Who you got? I got, a, I got Syracuse at seven. Okay. Seven, you get seven. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, A&M in Arkansas. Texas A&M in Arkansas? Right. Uh, hold on. All right. So that's uh, SEC. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is Texas A&M giving six on the road. And take, take Arkansas. You're taking two home team, two home dogs. Okay. Syracuse hey, so, and Arkansas. Yeah, we got, we got a lot of home dogs coming up. And oh. the mighty Michigan rolls into the mighty Lincoln, Nebraska. Michigan, Nebraska. That's going to be a big number. Michigan giving 17. I got it at 17 and a half. You get it. Uh, take, the, take the 17 and a half. Another home dog. Take Nebraska with Matt Rule. Right. Okay. Right. And then you got <clears throat> uh, San Diego State goes to Air Force. San Diego State, 
Air Force. What division is that? Do we know? Mountain West, probably. Mountain West. Something like that. Big Sky, Mountain West. Let me try Big Sky. Air Force is getting points, is my guess. Right, James? Air Force will get? No? No. 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 All right. What do you got? What does your line say? We we give you. uh, San Diego plus ten and a half. Who are you taking? San Diego State on the road. Dogs. Four dogs. Go ahead. What else? Four dogs. We ain't through with dogs yet. Okay. Uh, in, oh yeah, I've got Air Force. Air Force giving ten and a half. What, yeah, okay. Was that? okay. That's, that's, that's that's the way we are. That's where we are. Okay. Now in the pros, mm-hmm. we got the Buffalo Bills, who will be hosting the Miami Dolphins. Just yes. Put up how much on, on Sean Payton? Seventy. 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 They, they, they play in Denver this weekend, so I'm I'm taking the Bills minus two point five at home. Okay. In the Baltimore Ravens, they're getting the, they're getting three get or points so at cleavage. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get three points. You get three points uh, at Cleveland. You take the three points. You go with the Ravens. You go with Baltimore. Okay. Quote well, the Ravens never more. Then you got the great Washington Commanders. You're a good feeling. Started early and ended early. <laughs> but <they'll, laughs> what can you say? They, they they played an eagle. I think they're like nine. Yeah, nine we, point dog. Yeah, we got take, nine. Take, take the commodes. Really? You going to take them <laughs> in Philadelphia? Really? Okay. I really. I think first of all, it's the NFL East game. They generally tend to be close. Nine points is a lot of points. Right. Philadelphia is. You know they're good to say the least. I don't. I don't, I don't expect it to be a really wild, high-scoring game, but. Uh, nine points is a lot. Okay. All right. You know? Yeah. That's it. That's it? You're seven? That's good. You were five and two That's last it. week. You're you're burning it up. First week, what, you made what, the mistake of a triple play. Well, I made a mistake of on a triple play. But yeah, wow, tech. Be, you know, you can't get out of the hole unless you're in a hole. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, James. If I get out the hole, I have to get in the hole. Right. Okay. James right. Carville, boys and girls. We'll talk to him next week, and we root for him all the time. We will attempt to get Jeff Ma. As we continue to watch, by the way, we continue to watch the Ryder Cup. There's no red on the board anymore. And Rory McIlroy, who's he playing with? Matthew Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick's making everything. They're, they're up four after five holes. Matt Fitzpatrick is up four. They're killing Morikawa and Shawfley. They're killing him. Uh, you know. And yes, you're right. Rory's wearing a hat, which he doesn't usually wear. Wow. They are killing him. But um, the other three are tied, so Spieth and Thomas JT. fell back. Yeah, they're going back and forth. So, All right, we're trying to get Jeff Ma on the show. I love that Carville is like, catch me if you can, staying ahead of Nigel with the lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to give James the lines he wants. Yes, of course. I mean, James is making up his own lines. We're fine. But it's usually within one point. Yeah. It's usually within one point. It was Jeff an accurate line we, at some point. Yes, we have Jeff on Jeff, the Jeff, you have us? Yeah, I got you guys. Okay, you two and three last week. Lost the last game. Maybe that was a Sunday night game, I think, maybe. Eight and 11 overall, but we have faith in you because we all bet the process. Um, you wanted to talk about Josh McDaniel. Josh McDaniel is just in over his head wherever he is a head coach, as we both know. Uh, he went for a field goal, and you wanted him to go for yardage, right? No, I mean, listen, the interesting thing about this decision is that as, as painfully bad as most people think it is, it probably isn't quite as bad. And the reason is because ultimately 
what a lot of people do when they're looking at these decisions is they want to try to get into overtime. And the reality is if you get into overtime, it's at best a 50-50 proposition. Mm -hmm. When he tried to go for the field goal earlier in that drive, I think it was actually the correct decision, even though he need, he could have tied it with you know, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Inside of two minutes or around two minutes where he did, it, it was definitely more questionable, but I don't think he should be getting as vilified as, as everyone is because ultimately, again, the, the point, one of the other things that people fail to realize is that if you give a team the ball back with the lead, meaning they are very conservative in how they call plays. Yes. And they don't run plays optimally. They run, you know, three runs and they basically just try to run the clock out. Whereas if you give them the ball back in a tie game, they're going to play much more optimally and they have the chance, you know, a much better than 50% chance to win. So when you do the math on a lot of these situations, it's, it's not as obvious as people think it is to, you know, go for that situation there versus kick a field goal. I think his problem there was there just wasn't, really enough time for him to do that. I think earlier in the drive, it was the right decision. Um, you also talk about timing the market, and you use Joe Burrow as an example here. Can you explain to people what you mean? Yeah, so last week, almost the whole week, uh, the Bengals were a two-point favorite in that game, and a lot of that uh, depression of that line had to do with uh, the uncertainty of Joe Burrow's injury. Um, you know, we know Carvel loves Joe Burrow, right? Yeah, so it's course. like it's a matter of, uh, in that case, of, of – you making, you know, when you think about trying to get edges in this whole idea of, of uh, sports betting, one of the ways to do it is you're, you're handicapping or you're having a feel on whether Joe Burrow is going to play. When they announced Joe Burrow was going to play uh, on Monday morning, the line went to three. And obviously, if you got three, uh, you pushed. If you yeah. got two earlier where you tried to sort of time the market or make a bet on whether you thought Joe Burrow was going to win, uh, play, you would you would have won that bet. Yeah, that was, yeah, because it's a three-point game. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I guess, I guess that happens probably with quarterbacks more than anyone else when, when there's a, a sense that a quarterback's not ready to play, right? I assume. Yeah, there, there aren't a ton of, uh, you know, position players or offensive linemen or whatever. They, they, they all move the line. Some of them move the line a little bit. Some of them move the line too much. Um, certainly quarterbacks have the biggest impact. Yeah. You look at someone like Aaron Rodgers, the drop-off to Zach Wilson has been anywhere from 7 to 10 points. It's been, it's been pretty huge, and, and it's, it may not have been enough even in the adjustment. Um, so it is an interesting way that I think a lot of sports bettors try to get an edge is having a better way of understanding the impact of individual players versus the crowd or versus the, the sports books themselves. All right, what do you got for us this week? Okay, we're going to do some hopefully uh, – uh, over underreacting to overreaction. So okay. we're going to take the Ravens plus the three over Cleveland. Um, the overreaction here was is Cleveland, um, obviously being this elite defense, which it looks like they are. Um, still don't have a great offense. Uh, I like the Ravens uh, better rounded um, plus the three here. They obviously come off of very disappointing. Yes. Uh, loss. loss and so again are people overreacting to what they saw last week in my mind yes so i'll take the ravens plus the three okay i'm going to take the steelers minus the three over houston uh houston has been pretty impressive so far cj stroud everyone thinks is, looks like uh the best of the rookies um, but i'm going to take the steelers here uh just giving a field goal even on the road okay I'm going to take the Saints minus the three and a half over Tampa. Obviously, uh, with no 
car. This is a, a different game, and there's a lot of faith in myself being put in Jameis Winston. But I do think this is one of his kind of like last shots to to be out there, and I think he'll play well in this game. And I think uh, the you know, Saints' defense is is pretty strong, and will give Tampa trouble at home minus three and a half. I like them here. There's no way that if Carr doesn't get hurt, that Jordan Love makes that comeback because New Orleans scores more points in the second half, right? There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. And it, it's interesting the impact sometimes that the that kind of thing has on the defense. It's obviously hard to quantify, but you feel like in a situation like that, you get times where the defense kind of just doesn't necessarily give up, but you can see them just not having that same that same confidence they did when they know that Carr's on the other side. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, what else? I'm going to take the Bengals minus the two and a half over Tennessee. I think Tennessee um, is going to struggle, and uh, and you know the the uh, the Bengals again in, in another game they need. It looks like Burrow is 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 okay, and um, I think he will get better throughout the year. We we talked a little bit about how so much on bet the process about so much of his strength is his vision, and it kind of takes that that vision a little while to come back. That's why he struggled at the beginning of seasons, and I think he'll continue to get better. And I like him. Minus a two and a half here. Okay. And then I'm going to take a college game. I'm going to take Alabama minus the 14 and a half over Mississippi State. Uh, Alabama, I think, is is going to end up being in the national championship mix when all is said and done. Um, I think their defense is elite. They played a great game against Ole Miss last week and on the road against the Mississippi State team that will have trouble to score any points. I like them minus the 14 and a half. I think people gave up on Alabama too quickly this year. I do. And this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. All right. Who's on Bet the Process this week? Uh, we had a guy on Bet the Process by the name of Kyle Bodie. He is, uh, runs something called Driveline Baseball. And did you notice, have you noticed, Tony, that over the last, say, five to ten years, that everyone throws in the high 90s in baseball? Well, everyone. Like the, everyone. Yeah, and, and so Kyle Bodie is one of the guys that is responsible for that. He basically trains people with the concept of underweighted and overweighted, meaning throwing heavy and throwing light. And he does a lot of what we call data-driven training, meaning he measures it and measures how much better they, they get. He's worked with guys like Kershaw and a lot of the Orioles. And a lot. Of, and if you look, he more than anyone is responsible for that increase in velocity and he comes out of the world of gambling and sort of out of the world of, of understanding how to find edges and read this research paper on what javelin, um, what, you know, javelin athletes do to throw harder, and it's just underweighted and overweighted, and he basically just brought it to the major leagues, and that's why everyone throws so fast right now. They do throw fast. They also sometimes throw their arms out. Yeah, sometimes. So we'll see. Yeah, well, the, he, one of the things he's been focused on is injury, and his pitchers get have fewer injuries than a lot of the other pitchers out there. So, oh. you know, it, it, this training uh, method has proven to be very reliable, and, and he's trying to do it in other sports. He's doing it in uh, golf and doing it in football. So maybe this is a way you can, you know, get a drive long enough so you don't have to play from the forward tees. So those days are gone for me. Uh, did, what did, who did Rufus like in the Ryder Cup? I think most of us kind of like Europe, sadly. I mean, it, was, it, it, just, it just seemed like that's the way it was going to play out, and it seems like that's how it's playing out right now. It is early on. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk next week. Good luck. All right. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. 
That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. to Bruce Griffin. I always love hearing that. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. Uh, That's going to do it for us today and this week. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock as the day begins, silently closing her bedroom door, leaving the note that she hoped would say more. She goes down the stairs to the kitchen, clutching her handkerchief. Quietly turning the back door keys, stepping outside, she is free. That's a Paul song. That's She's Leaving Home. I believe that She's Leaving Home and For No One Mm. are brilliant Paul songs. Yes. Top of the chart Paul songs. Absolutely. Thanks to our guests today, Jason LaConfora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you listen to the show on Apple, you can leave us a review. Got a lot of Mount Rushmore stuff. Joe Pearson in Indianapolis, who emails us often, when you talk about Baltimore's Mount Rushmore, four heads, and you wanting to make it the temptation, five heads. I have a question. Who is in your temptations? Obviously, Otis, Eddie, Paul, and Melvin. Sure. But who is your lead guy? Are you a David Ruffin man or a Dennis Edwards man? I'll hang up and listen. I mean, I thought Eddie Kendrick had the best voice. Yeah. And... David Ruffin, we all know he had personal problems, but David Ruffin is the lead singer. Yeah, of the that's a great line from the movie. I'm David Ruffin, and these are the temptations. <laughs> Just David <laughs> Ruffin. From Sam Angel, uh, now in Baltimore. Over the years, you have known me as Sam Angel from College Park, Sam Angel from Philadelphia, Drexel Hill, and now Sam Angel from Silver Spring. But for today's email, I represent a town where I was born and raised, became a sports fan, became a Tony Kornheiser fan. Today, I am Sam Angel from Baltimore. Almost a decade ago, I was working on a master's thesis in Drexel's sport management program. My thesis was about the potential acceptance of steroid users into the Hall of Fame, not only by its voters, but by its members. Through the help of a family friend who was one of the many, many, many people whose lives were directly touched by Brooks Robinson, he agreed to answer questions through the mail and sent me a prompt handwritten response. His responses could not have been kinder in his passion for not only the game of baseball and the institution of the Hall of Fame, but also the people who were involved with both could not have shown through more. After I finished my thesis and got my degree, my parents had my letter and his responses framed. He was one in a million and so much more than a sports hero to everyone from Baltimore. P.S. If you ask a Baltimore fan, the Mount Rushmore argument is not between Cal and Eddie. Eddie and Frank 
though highly deserving candidates just missed the cut due to their relatively long careers elsewhere, Johnny Unitas is a given. The argument is between Ray Lewis, whose baggage is undeniable but dwarfed by his popularity in Baltimore, beats out Michael Phelps. I hadn't realized that. Well, he's not on my list. No, he's not, but he was. he's the all-time Olympic I guess. swim champ, uh, who is from Baltimore and represents the city in many ways, but is more widely known simply as an American. Hmm. And none of this conversation even gets to a local boy who learned how to play baseball here and played in a time before Baltimore had a major league team to call his own. We like to call him George Herman Ruth. And he also sends copies of those letters. It's just a very, very nice email. From David George, a.k.a. DG, but not that not DG. Not that DG, no. In Maple Valley, Washington. I believe a couple of weeks ago you are talking about Chessie and how she found the rain inconsequential while going outside because she's a dog. That may be so for larger dogs, but this is not an across-the-board fact for all dogs. <laughs> These days I'm the owner of two Yorkie Maltese mixes. We get our fair share of inclement weather out here in the Pacific Northwest. And let me tell you, these two will pick it like the UAW <laughs> when it's time to go outside in the rain. From Jason Blazer, Lake Orion or Lake Orion. Super excited to report my David Aldridge moment. I got home from the offspring soccer practice, sat in my easy chair for a moment. After a while, I got antsy, decided to walk outside and double check that my driveway was still there where I left it. I looked up and noticed the moon and thought, hey, I know that moon. That's the moon that Kornheiser talks about on the podcast. <laughs> It really is a small world when you stop and think about it. Did you finally find it? No, I never found it yesterday, and it's cloudy today. Yeah. Um, and it's the supermoon, and we're not, I'm not going to see it. Supermoon tonight? Yeah, I'm not going to see it the 29th. I'm not, oh. We're not going to see Drive it. Drive by my house. It's over the right corner. Not, but it's cloudy. You can't see it. Mm. you got to have clear sky. From Jeff Piggott in West Des Moines, Iowa. The apprehension in Michael's voice was palpable after you suggested the boys model me undies. I suspect Michael and I had the same thought, that the line from child underwear model to giving out change in a bank lobby was not that long. From Mike Roseberry in State College, Pennsylvania, you might not be able to eat a named chicken, but you can sure eat a named lamb. Case in point, for about seven years when I was growing up, we'd get a spring lamb that would eventually be next year's Easter dinner. The name of all said lambs was, you guessed it, Lamb Chop. <laughs> Sherry Lewis may not have approved, but those were some tasty holiday meals. Mm. And from Kelly Maroney, and the subject line is, why no mention of the Rugby World Cup on PTI? Signed Kelly. Well, you weren't on. If you had been on, you would have gotten to it. <laughs> the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> from Bob Sproul in Pittsburgh. While vacationing in Rehoboth Beach last week, uh, the woman to whom I'm related to by marriage, and I visited a shop called the Pelican Loft on Rehoboth Avenue, which featured old toys, games, and other types of Americana ephemera. And I made an amazing discovery as the photo that I've attached for News Channel 8 shows. Yes, the red bocce ball <laughs> has been found. I have also attached a photo of myself standing, not yodeling, in bocce, front of Re Rehoboth's ball. number one tourist <laughs> attraction. <laughs> Listening to episodes of the podcast made the trip from Pittsburgh hey, to Rehoboth Liz. and back go smooth as silk. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I've also been wanting to write you about an amazing million-to-one story, but I figure that game's already over. I'll keep it warming in the bullpen if it ever makes a comeback. And he takes a picture of himself in front of Browseabout. Yeah. Future, which is future home of the Tony And shows show. the bocce ball. There it is. Did you right check there. in at the Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> We're going to have to go. Still waiting. To serve. Still waiting for the coffee. So, yes. Yeah, we're going to have to go to that. Yes. Uh, let's just read one more. Yes. Yeah, sure. Because um, it, it, it involves the naming of chickens. Uh, it's from Brian Amaral. <laughs> Very important. Let me just get where. He's from uh, Branson, Ontario in Canada. 
Many people are adamant that you cannot eat a chicken that you have named. My family and I got chickens earlier this year for the sole purpose of getting fresh eggs, and ultimately, when the timing was right, to eat said chickens. Mm. Knowing what the future holds, I advised my family not to name or get attached to the chickens. My wife and children proceeded to name the chickens, Mm. two of whom were named after my wife's aunts, Linda and Judy, and treat them like regular household pets. My daughter taught one of the (laughs) chickens... My daughter taught one of the chickens to even perch on her shoulder as she would sit there. Everyone who knows us said the same thing. You can't eat those chickens. To which I replied, oh, I'm eating those chickens. (laughs) Sadly, a fox got to the chickens before we could, uh, which my daughter grieved about for some time. But I still do not see a problem with eating chicken that you have named. You just have to give them the right name. Here is a list that I like. Nugget, stew, (laughs) roast, mild, medium, hot. And my two personal favorites, original and extra crispy. (laughs) Those are tickets I could sink my teeth into. From Doug Steinhurst in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, The feeling of vertigo hit me around five minutes into the chicken comparative competition. At least Nigel didn't get a pumpkin spice chicken. That's truly repulsive. Pumpkin spice flavored yogurt. Is Nigel flagellating himself with execrable holiday food so the rest of us don't have to suffer for our transgressions? Today I went to Lowe's. Spent 20 minutes picking out a shovel. Later, I went to my new home, spent 10 minutes shoveling before I was imagining myself building Pharaoh's tomb or again dragging bricks to the second temple. Why am I not acclimated to building things in the desert? And P.S., what is up with Michael's kids not liking movies? Intervention, Grandpa. Your kids don't like movies? Uh, they're terrifying. Hmm. What do you mean? I, I don't I thought understand. they sit and they watch TV all the time. They watch programs. There's a big difference between oh. their TV programs. Well, they're now into Legos, which is quite funny. Oh, okay. sure. And by the way, I tried the pumpkin spice yogurt. And it was as foul as you might imagine it was. Couldn't I even didn't see it. that would come. <laughs> From Bill Isaacson. How could you have been surprised by Michael's statements that his kids are scared of movies? Perhaps you would have been less surprised if you had paused to recall those idyllic afternoons at your house when your grandkids spent time watching those great movies you wanted to share. You remember those great times you had sharing with the grandkids, Goodfellas, Midnight Cowboy, and The Godfather. <laughs> Bill Isaacson. Laura Little's episode 60 on the week that Chuck and Roxy were married mm. and also recorded a podcast as well as episode 147 for the first anniversary, to which I, in which I posed questions to them from the newlywed game in episode 204 in which my wife joined me to play the newlywed game with the hosts on their second anniversary. That is so much about Chuck and Roxy. It is a lot. From Chris Bansells in Forest, Hills, Maryland, Forest Hill, Maryland. Dear Michael, my youngest child, a masculine child, was also afraid of movies when he was small. I could never figure out why, but he had an almost pathological fear of anything he perceived as a movie. It was heartbreaking for me because I'm a total cinephile. The good news is he grew out of it eventually. I just kept offering him the option to watch with us without pressuring him to do it. Somewhere in elementary school, he warmed to them. Now in eighth grade, he loves them. Of course, his three older siblings may have had something to do with it. They were alternately encouraging and mocking in a way. I feel like the Kornheiser household would look forward to that. Every time there's a holiday at school, a week before, they start watching movie after movie. And he doesn't like... Bootsy finds himself in the art closet. (laughs) He really doesn't like them? They're so loud. Wow. Hmm. Is that it? It's the loudness? I think it's the loudness, the colors, just, you know... Okay. All right. It's not like he's watching a drama. Right. <laughs> he's oh. not watching Clockwork Orange or anything well, like most that. Most of these have pretty heavy themes for a six-year-old. Come on, Lion King? <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot packed into that one, yes. Okay. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. I go from <laughs> Mobblehead to Revenge. Mobblehead. <laughs> Mobblehead.
was such a great dancer when I was three. The glory days of my infant phase, time before reality. Introduced me to the concept there was a ceiling to be and me. Before the fall, before I hit the wall, I still wanna be. Thank you. 